You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Riotcast Network. My name is Mark Seaman, aka Mark Says Hi. I'm the editor-in-chief, just kidding, <laughs> the managing <laughs> the managing editor of thelaughbutton.com, and I'm joined as always for the new segment by Matt Kleinschmidt, who is actually the editor-in-chief. <laughs> See what I did there? It's like... Uh, it's, it's like dressing the job you want. <laughs> If you, you you want exactly if I, if I say you put it, the that vibes that, out there in the universe yeah if I say that then maybe I will be and or um, it could be the fact I'm talking to your hologram right now you're not actually in the room no. this is a this is a new device we have now here at the laughbutton.com yeah. if Matt and or I can't be in the same place at the same time we have hologram capabilities yeah we straight up send an R2 unit into the room it's pretty it projects awesome. the hologram onto it it's pretty awesome it's part of the promo for Star Wars the new Star Wars that's coming out at Christmas are you pumped oh dude that by the way I, the trailer looks awesome it's amazing it looks fantastic and it looks fantastic mainly because it's not 100% CGI mm-hmm. like there's actually like real things going on there's real interactions there's real explosions so yeah I'm psyched and the thing got something some not so number like 88 million views in its first 24 hours or something like that. Like, it's got so many views. Like, Disney stock rose $2 billion. Like, it's just... It's insane how that works. I'm trying to think if I've ever viewed anything... Like, all things in my entire life. Yeah. I wonder if... My viewings have totaled up to 88 million views. Oh, no, and, not at all. And Star Wars trailer gets that in, yeah, a, day, in a day. Hours. In a day. In a day. I mean, yeah, it's Star Wars, man. What do you want? Now, be honest. Yes. Were you one of the guys, when you heard about the new Star Wars movies and they were going to be making another trilogy, mm-hmm. were you like, this is going to suck? I don't care who's directing. I have, a few blah, very, blah, blah. I have a few very specific remembrances of that. First of all, it happened during Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. That news happened the, like, the day after Sandy, because I remember being displaced from my house that had no electricity and hearing about this dude at a friend's house. Don't know why I remember that. I also remember hear, hearing that George Lucas wasn't involved, and I was happy. And the reason I was happy is because, like, you know, the guy's a tinkerer. He's tinkered with some masterpieces, and I understand you've created them and you've made them, but they're now no longer yours. They're the world's. Um, so I was actually kind of psyched. I was like, cool, we're going to get some new lightsaber battles. We're going to see Yoda fuck some shit up or something. So I actually, for one, was very excited. Um, and then when I saw the trailer and heard what was going on in J.J. Abrams, other than like lens flare, I don't really mind J.J. Abrams' uh, take on stuff too. And you know, Wait, what's your problem with the, the flare? Well, you know, I mean, it's a little overused. Like the first Star Trek, it was very overused, and there was also like the battle of like can Star can the same guy who redid Star Trek do Star Wars and blah 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 blah. Sure. But, you know, there's worse movies. There's worse people that could have directed, it, like Brett Ratner. <laughs> Not a fan. Okay. Well, no, just didn't he like just, Tower Heist. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The only reason I ask is yeah. because it's once this trailer did come out, yes. come out, uh, everyone seemed to flip flop. At least everyone that I talked to, like I immediately got texts and tweets saying, "You're right, man. Shit's good. Shit's this, good. I guess this shit is going to be good." Because right out of the gate, I'm thinking to myself, "One, they're not going to do it again. They're not going to do it again if they're going to fuck it up. It's just not going to happen. It can't yeah. happen. Yeah. It can't be any worse." Than that prequel no, trilogy. No. So it's terrible. already going to be better. I mean, if you think about what those were, the first one, other than the pod race, mm-hmm. it was all like senates and committees. 
Like it literally was. Like it was a good Jedi battle scene in the there arena. There was, I guess, with Darth Maul one. at the end of it. Yeah, Darth Maul, who was like this total badass, and then like he just he 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 dies. You're like, oh, all right, you're dead. Cool, I guess. And Liam Neeson's before you know he was taking Liam Neeson's before he had a series of skills. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was actually very very psyched about seeing the trailer. Uh, I was excited for the the, the 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 prequels. I really was. But now, like as I've gotten older, I'm just like, this is dog shit. I actually have not watched them probably since they've hit like television but like I do want to kind of watch them in you're that gonna mach- go back I want to go back is. and watch them in machete order because that's an order that a lot of people have been talking about mm-hmm. for if you guys aren't familiar with what machete order is it's a way to watch uh, the trilogy and the prequels the original trilogy and the prequels in a way that makes the most sense logically and also allows you to kind of for a no for a person that's never watched Star Wars to start off with the original trilogy so I think you watch four five jump to two Three and then Re- Return of the Jedi. I think is, I think is the order of machete order in my head, but it basically excludes one altogether. Mm-hmm. Like no Jar Jar, no committee. Because like if you think about it, what really happened in the first one other than Pod Race that was like worth noting, like all uh, this Viceroy committee, yeah, intergalactic trade racist, federation, racist stuff. Viceroy. Oh yeah, racist sounding Viceroys. But other than that, like there's really no need to watch it. So machete order gets rid of that, and I'm pretty sure that order I just described. If you're an Natalie Portman fan, I guess. Yeah, you see her in two and three. It's true. It's you very see, true. You see, you're not talking if, as wooden. If you're a very you specific her, Natalie Portman, yeah. If you're a, if you're a wooden talking Natalie Portman fan, um, but also one of the trilogies, you know, she's she's running around in like the classic like you know female Star Wars female like white garb shooting a sure. blaster. Way more. It's which is way more cool to see than her sitting around with some crazy ass headdress. That well, she can barely keep. Her before head. we get too deep here, I mean, yeah, we yeah. we are we a are comedy, comedy news <laughs> comedy news podcast. Look, but but here's the thing with Star. Wars, it transcends all platforms and all genres oh, yeah. and all whatever. Every we're all talking about it, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm super psyched for it. I can't wait for it. I also can't wait for the spinoffs too, like Rogue One. I yeah, think yeah, it's going to yeah. be really interesting that and, and really a lot cool. of fun. And I had the uh, chance recently to spend some time with Felicity Jones, a uh, really cool lady. Okay. You might know her from The Theory of Everything. Yes. She was in a, a cool episode, of Doctor Who. Anyway, she's going to be starring Rogue One. I'm super stoked for her and uh, pumped for that set event. All right, let's get to the news and to let everyone know. After we wrap up the news portion of this podcast, our guest this week, Rob Cantrell. You may know Rob Cantrell from, I don't know, Weed? Weed. Just he, Weed in general. I think, I think if you've ever seen Weed, it comes with seen... a free sticker of Rob Cantrell. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Well, I, I associate Rob Cantrell with Tom McCaffrey as their friends because he did that rap headliner from uh, what's what's Rob's, uh, I mean, uh, TMC. TMC. Yeah. Yeah. And then also they, uh, he was in Tom's Adventures in Comedy documentary. Mm-hmm. So I was associating with Tom McCaffrey every time I think of Rob Cantrell. Cool. Great comic. I mean, I... I that song it, Headliner is great, by the way. Headliner, I get more vagina from here to China. You look it up. Like, Hannibal Burst is in it. Jonah uh, Rose is Schu- in it. Is Amy Schumer in it, I don't too? think Amy Schumer She's is on in one it. of the tracks on that yeah, album. Yeah, she's yeah. on one. I don't think she's on that one. But it's like all these New York City comedians. Like, before yeah. like, anyone kind of knew who they were, just like rapping terribly to hip-hop. Actually, it's really it's great. Terrible, but yeah, it's great. You know, I, I associate Rob with, well, obviously, his own uh, stand-up career. You getting... To something more important coming in than the comedy news, man. Apparently, unless it's breaking comedy news, is no, it? No, it's hello, breaking comedy news. No, it's not. <laughs> now that's is that your uh, you have that set up in case the date's not going well. I am your... selling a refrigerator on Craigslist that I need to be available. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Speaking of it's which, so old it's probably called Nice Box. It's probably not no, even it's a refrigerator. A good refrigerator. If you want to know, find it on Craigslist or hit me up Matt at the laughbutton.com. I could probably live in the refrigerator. It's probably the size of my New York City apartment. Uh, how big is this refrigerator? It's pretty big, dude. Yeah? 
pretty, pretty big. Can make it a man cave. <laughs> Put speaking, it in my apartment. Listen, speaking of selling stuff on Craigslist, in addition to this refrigerator, I was selling a washer and dryer. I don't even know if I told you the story yet. Happened oh, no, yesterday. here we go. Selling a washer separate and dryer. Units. Separate units, washer and dryer, selling okay. them. I just recently moved, so I have some extra furniture. Anyway, selling them on Craigslist. Lady pulled up, checked at the washer and dryer this weekend. She loved it, gave me a deposit. She was coming back this week with her truck and her son to do it. She comes back with her truck and her son. They load it up. They go out my driveway. They take the turn too fast, annihilate my, my mailbox. Like, <laughs> not even just like, oh, we clipped it. Oh, they pancake the mailbox. They knock the, the, the posts holding mm. the mailbox in the ground, ripped it out of the ground, Concrete. It was held in there in concrete. Oh like, Jesus! So and your, then you see the so tire your marks. All torn up now. And you right. see the tire marks. And homeboy drove over the mailbox. <laughs> like he didn't even just like clip it. I'm like, why do I? Geez. I feel like you had one of those novelty mailboxes from like. Well, when did you buy that house in the nineties? Uh, two thousand. We just bought the house in December, dude. I just. Oh okay. Jeez. So this yeah. brand new mailbox just brand eats new. It. Well, the mailbox was actually kind of ugly, so I was looking for, to replace it. But well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to replace it at eight o'clock. She was on paying a it ran, forward on like a random Wednesday night. That's what I didn't want to do. So. Unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Well, sorry to hear about that. It's all right. It's just a mailbox. Yeah. Okay. Well, you you were get, talking about it as if it were. You I just know, can't get weed. You lost a family member. Yeah, I did. It had so, flowers on it and everything. So when I think of Rob Cantrell, obviously I think of his stand-up, and yes. uh, I I like Rob a lot. Not mailboxes. Not mailboxes. He's super cash on stage, and I love that. But I also associate him with Mitch Hedberg a lot because he yeah. went on tour with Mitch, and um, and he's he tells us a great story. Uh, about being on the road with Mitch, and it has to do with fireworks and karate outfits. So you're not going to want to miss this story uh, coming up here in fireworks a little bit. Fireworks and karate outfits. Yes. Uh, let's just say they were both available at the same place. And uh, do Mitch Hedberg and Rob Cantrell get involved? Probably. So well, stay tuned. If you think about it, not only are like most places... Gas stations, they there are gas and matches available at the same place too. It's kind so, of weird. It's not kind of weird. It's. Just, I think that's kind of dangerous. I mean, that's every just gas being station irresponsible. In sells gas, sells gas and matches out of the same as the same place. Every I'm, gas station in America. I mean, what if someone trips and falls and then rubs saying. the matches? I'm just saying put on their point of impact. What I'm saying is pointing things in perspective. And what would Mitch do? <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Uh, uh, well, you'll find out after we're done delivering the news, which yes. we need to get to right now, yes, Matt Clenchman. Let's do this. And everyone, go to the laughbutton.com. This is where we have all of our stories posted, ones we can't get to in the comedy news segment. And there's so much comedy news in the universe, and we can't talk about it all here, but we can write about it all on the laughbutton.com. And follow us on all the socials as well, at the laughbutton, and follow at. I am Kleinschmidt. I'm at Mark Says Hi. And that's Twitter's, Facebook's, all that stuff. Just Google Mark Says Hi. You'll find yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, Google. It'll show up there. All right. In the uh, Google machine. What do you want to talk about first? You want to talk about Aziz? You seem yeah, pretty stoked we, about this. That was one of the more, more recent news stories is Aziz Ansar is getting a deal on Netflix. He, uh, I think I want to say it's a 10-episode deal. Mm-hmm. He inked with uh, Netflix, which is continues the, the lineage of what Aziz has been doing with Netflix because Aziz has released two specials on Netflix already. And this is a sitcom that starts like John Benjamin, Tim from Tim and Eric, Noel Wells from SNL, um, 
but it's also him teaming up with a lot of executive producers from Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. Three executive producers of Parks and Rec are involved with this, including uh, the big dog, Michael Schur. Is that his name? The, who's the guy that was one of the co-creators of uh, the guy helped bring the office to the U, the U.S. as well? I want to say he was involved with the office before. My the guess Parks would and Rec that channel. would be Ricky Gervais. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, executive producer. Yeah, he I was know. involved with the office. It is Michael Schur, yeah. and then spun it off onto Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. So that's coming. The only thing that sucks about it is, well, first of all, it fills the need of the Parks and rec void that you know has been gone for a for, while for you yeah for us but it also um there's no timeline on when it's going to happen so we still got to wait but maybe it'll happen before the next daredevil on netflix <laughs> well, speaking of tom mccaffrey yeah uh he makes an appearance in daredevil which we screenshot does. which which i screenshot and then posted so you can go he check does. that out on our Facebook page. Tom McCaffrey, oh, in da- star of Daredevil. One of uh, that's one how of, he should be brought on stage from now on. By yeah, the way. just star, FBI star, FBI star of Daredevil. Yeah, so look for Tom McCaffrey as an FBI agent there in the first episode. Yeah, I think it's the first episode. All right, uh, Nate Bargatze had a great set on Fallon uh, last night, if not two nights ago, depending oh, on when you're listening to this. Look, it, I, I used that barometer with my wife when he was on. We were up and and Fallon came on. And I can't remember who the guest was at the time. I think Blake Lively was on, and then someone there was uh, somebody else in I think between. Weird Al was on the episode, and Weird Al was on the episode as well. Great episode. Yeah, it was. And I told my wife, I go, "Oh my god, don't change the channel, because if you do during the commercial break, you're going to miss Nate Bargatze." And she was un- unfamiliar with Nate, as as a lot of people might be. And she sat there, and I had, I hadn't heard her laugh that hard in a long time and she was just like who's this guy and I'm like he's your new favorite that's who that is that's Nate Bargatze he crushed he's just so naturally funny so (laughs) casual what also proves that your wife doesn't listen to this podcast because we've had Nate on already yeah well she's afraid to because if if I bring her up I'm probably going to embarrass myself or embarrass her so she just doesn't want to deal with that it's funny too because Nate is a a favorite of my fiance as well okay I took her to a comedy festival last year stealing ladies left and and right I know Nate's stealing the ladies. Um, Where was that in sixth grade? Yeah, said Nate Bargatze. Exactly, right? <laughs> exactly. Where was that when I was single? Said yeah. Nate Bargatze, the younger Nate Bargatze to himself. But yeah, um, my fiance had the same reaction. She was like, "Well, she knew Nate, so she's like, oh my god, Nate, I love Nate.' Because she saw him at this comedy festival I took her to, right? And she was like, "This is the best, blah blah blah." And you know, ever since the, uh, this is a funny thing about my fiance is I took her to a comedy festival, so now all of a sudden she's an expert on every comedian, which I think is great because. Uh, she's you know she's interested in what I'm interested in, but I think it's also funny too, where it's like, okay, okay, listen, you saw one comedy festival, but like I love the fact that she loves comedy. You know, she's starting to love it as much as I do. I love that fact. So, but yeah, Nate, Nate, Nate kind of stole it for her too. She was super excited. That's about great. It, yeah. yeah, he slammed, and the very first thing he mentions when he comes out on stage, and I thought this is too funny because he has a he has a new special that's going to be coming out very soon on Comedy Central, May second to be exact, called yeah. Full Time Magic, which is automatic. Which, which there's a good reference to yeah. it in, in his in his act, which I've listened to and saw the, saw already. So, and uh, he mentions that the the Mayweather fight. You know, the Floyd Mayweather-Pacquiao fight is also on May 2nd. So he just comes out on stage like, hey, guys, look, I- I'm not even going to be watching my special. Just do me a favor. I know the fight's on. Just record just, it. Yeah, just yeah. DVR it. Can we all just do that? It's, yeah. It which was I a- think is just so neat and so funny, and, and I think it's... F- I think it's very fitting that yeah. that fight would coincide with yeah. his his I, release. The, the funny thing about that too is I was telling I was at a party this weekend and I was telling a a a friend slash family member, I guess you want to put it, uh, about new comedians I was into, 
and he asked because he's a big fan of comedy. And I told him about Nate Bargatze. I said, "Oh, you got tuned into a special. It's on May second. He's like, "Dude, that's the Mayweather Pacquiao fight." Like he said that, and I'm like, "And I don't know because I don't really follow boxing." But as this is a pretty big deal, though. It man. is. I mean, it is. It is. Everyone's been waiting for this but it's fight not like forever. The, but it's not like the first thing on my mind. Right. So when he said it, I was like, "Oh yeah, that that fight's that night." That's basically what I thought. And then it, the the fact that Nate acknowledged it, the same I thought. Uh, two days later, I thought it was kind of funny. All right, let's uh, let's get into the state of late night comedy Dude. and or through the eyes of a, a Twitter tirade. I, is everything called a tirade guess, now yeah, or a sure. rant? Well, or just... if we want to be sensational about it, we have to call it a tirade, right? Or we have to call it a meltdown. Okay, those, so, those are just the rules, dude. So this those goes are the internet <laughs> writing, <laughs> blogging rules. Then this goes under the category of Twitter tirade. Tirade. All right, and uh, this Andre is, Dubuchet. This is your boy. This is your boy. Yeah, Andre's. You know, he's he's a he's a friend of the laugh button. We've interviewed in the past. We've uh, covered some of the stuff. Like great comedian. Uh, moved out west uh, with Conan when Conan took over the Tonight Show. Mm-hmm. He wrote for Conan when Conan was doing late night. If I'm not mistaken, he's been writing for Conan for quite a while. Um, well, he went off on a tangent. Yeah, he went off a little Conan bit. Conan had to squash it. Conan kind of put out a, a, a quick tweet, but the tweet that Andre was the tweets Andre was making were, were I'm stumbling here were to the effect of. Uh, late night television he called it prom king comedy basically mm-hmm. and what he means by that is like it's where the lip sync battles come from it's where the right. hashtag wars come from it's like kind of like almost like the cool kids from high school have co-opted what he loves in comedy because comedy by nature is kind of like an outside rogue out you know you know kind of underdog type of uh, format and he feels like you know the cool kids have taken over and uh, particularly in late night with the fact that Fallon does sketches all the time with comedians and with um, or with uh, celebrities and James Corbin Gordon's doing the same thing. He did kind of he did kind of tap it off by saying, uh, "I am excited to see what Colbert is going to do." But right, uh, it, it was a tirade. It got picked up. People talked about it. People kind of were like Conan writer. It was very sensationalized headlines. Conan writer goes on tirade about late night television. It is funny because then there's yeah. going to be a lot of people go, "Well, who's that guy?" Right? Yeah, that's the thing. But I think and the no other part of it, to him. I but... think the other part of it is a lot of him just like fucking with his like friends on Twitter. Like he was back and forth. He was, I think it was James Adomi, and he was having a back and forth with about it too. So I think it was it was one of those things where it was blown out of proportions. But at the same time, Andre Dubuchet is probably a name that people actually know now, as opposed to his his levels is has increased. But Conan's squashing of it was just like I wish my my writer would focus on making my show funnier than doing these Twitter right. tirades. So who knows what it was like Monday when Andre went back to work? But. Well, let's talk about it for for a second. Late night television. How are you with late night television right now? For instance, for Ferguson. I love Fallon. I love most of them, yeah, yeah, yeah. to be honest. But I liked Ferguson the most. And the I reason why I liked Ferguson the most was at that late hour, you can do more weird stuff. You yeah, can get and, away. He, and he did that. Right. And he, and he did it really well. Yeah. And that's always been the thing to attract me to comedy. Anyway, so yeah. I'm always going to gravitate towards well, that. Well, Conan did all that late. Sure. Letterman, when he was in that slot, did some sure. really weird shit in that time And it's too. not to take anything away from Fallon, because I actually, I love Fallon. I think Fallon's awesome. I think he's a, I met him once. He's just a guy having a super, lot of fucking nice fun. Dude. And yeah. I love that, because yeah, yeah, yeah. if I was in that position, I'd be the same guy. He's excited I wouldn't, to be there. I wouldn't yeah. be able to hide the fact that, look what I do for a living. Look what I'm being, you know, able to do with these celebrities. Yeah. They're willing to do it. It's not crossing some weird line, and yeah, it might seem a little safe. But you know what? My dad calls me now every once in a while. Dude, did you watch Found last night, man? Yeah. And now it's a way for my dad and I to connect on a comedy level that isn't like old SNL from the '70s. Well, you know? I think that is the the important thing you got to think about. Late night is Fallon has 
made it part of the conversation again, for better or for worse. Right. Fallon and, you know, the wave behind him that's come through has made it not your mom and dad's thing. Because, like, to me, late night, even though Letterman and Leno ran late night for so many years, it was always Johnny Carson. Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. I was too young for Johnny Carson. So it never... Really? I remember watching his last I watched episode. It. Yeah, I watched yeah. it. But, like, I didn't, like, digest it like other people did. Like, right. Johnny Carson was, like, your 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 mom, your older parents, or, like, your grandparents. Mm-hmm. That was their late night. And I felt like Leno never did anything that was... F- remotely fun uh, and Letterman was too cool for the room which I love about Letterman I love that about Letterman but Letterman would never do a lip sync battle just right. because Letterman is not that type of guy the joke's on you it's not on Letterman and that's what Fallon's kind of made it the joke's on him I also think Fallon has made it more of a variety show again it's mm-hmm. not just comedy it's not just writing it's a variety show there's singing there's dancing there's jumping around all there's that kind of stuff cup. there's, there's a, all that stuff and yeah, quizzes and, and Good on you. There's a new media strategy deployed with Fallon of getting people to watch the stuff online, to sure. watch these clips online. Watch the clips. It's all isolated stuff. But now. these clips yeah. get more views online than people tune in at late night. Yeah. Like it, it, but that's it, how it works. That's that the on how it works. That's the on-demand world. He figured it out. He's crushing he, it. He's first to the races with with NBC, and they're doing it now with Seth Meyers and James Corden's following on. Like right. James Corden. Since he's taken over for a late late show with Craig Ferguson, I think has put more content online <laughs> for CBS than I think Ferguson and probably Letterman combined. Right. I think so. Because like Letterman would never update his stuff. CBS would never a- update their internet stuff. Like, now they have to. As someone that would go searching for clips the next day to find stand-up bits and whatnot, Letterman and CBS were always the most difficult to find. But you could find anyone on Fallon. You could find anyone on Conan. So... Almost uh, it's right after era, it man. happens. It's just a yep. new era. It's the way it is, and it's more of a variety show now. So that's not a bad thing. It's not a shot at comedy. I get where Andre Dubuche is coming from, and he's 100% entitled to his opinion, and he 100% knows what the fuck he's talking about because he's a comic, but it's just not what the landscape is right now. Right. All right. Uh, I'm going to bring this up just because I want to talk about it. Okay. Uh, how, how do you feel about Nick Cage? Where's Nick Cage in your... I uh, like repertoire. Uh, Nick Cage is fine with me. Like he's done some terribly terrible movies, but someone at some point cut together a montage of Nick Cage losing his shit online. <laughs> That's a great one. It's yes. got a it's got a sister video of Nick Cage punching women. <laughs> Most of it from the movie of um, what's, oh, what, I haven't seen that. Oh, what's that I one movie? The, uh, the Wicker that, Man. Oh, okay. He like punches like women. <laughs> I never, the way saw, this, I never well, saw the Wicker Man. I, I can't. Well, it was a remake a, of that cult classic. Right. One. Watch the cult one is better. But like, there's a montage of like he must punch like 50 women in his movie. It's, and it's just the way the video is cut. He's like punching everyone and women in it. <sighs> what yeah, a yeah. strange, bizarre yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's the deal. If if you haven't heard about this, you can read about it on the laughbutton.com. I I've been posting about this. Uh, can I say frequency if I or frequently if I do more than one post in yes. a week? You can. Okay, that's frequently. Uh, look, Nick Cage is going to be <laughs> starring in this Osama bin Laden comedy called Army of One. All right, and it's 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 a wacky it's a wacky plot. When I read about it, I was like, oh, I'm so in because this is the movie that I, when I'd go to the old school video stores, the yeah. VHS stores, it's in the bottom lower corner rack with all the other B movies like Dead Alive, you know, great and movie, yeah, it's a great movie. And I'd find all those gems down there, right? Evil Dead, all that stuff, and this goes right. This immediately goes into that that uh, category. So Nick Cage is portraying a real life construction worker from Colorado, okay, named Gary Faulkner, and uh, on I'm some in so far, yeah. So out of a a ridiculous whim, and he's got no skills, nothing. 
he tries to cross the Pakistani and Afghan borders, okay, on a solo mission to capture Bin Laden himself. So I'm like, and this is a comedy, and this is a comedy, and uh, I'm already in on that that premise because I think that's just ridiculous. This sounds like it will eventually be reviewed by how this get made. That's you think? This, you oh think? Yeah. Well, those I, guys love Nick Cage. I can guarantee you, it's going to. You know so why? Why? Because Paul Shear is going to be in it. Fuck yes. All right? This is why this is so great. <laughs> Check out this lineup of okay. who's starring in this thing. Because at first, the original story I posted was because Russell Brand is going to be in it. Okay. Now, we all know Russell Brand hit, let's say, a rut when Arthur came out, right? Yeah. Zero people were a fan of that. I'm sure Russell Brand was even like, why did I do that? Uh, however... You know he's he's making moves. He's he's an activist now. He's got a, a new documentary coming out later this week, which we'll we'll talk about later, or you can research on the leftbutton.com. But so Russell Brand announces he's in this thing, right? Now we got Ken Marino, <laughs> you know, from the state. Yeah, and uh, American Summer a Party Down, right? Feel he was in the fire. Oh, so great. Love that. Uh, we've got Paul Shear, who I mentioned. Obviously, yep. you know him from the league and NTSF SUV. He's on Fresh. Uh, do you watch Fresh Off the Boat? By the way, you gotta I have be. Not. I know. He's watch old. it. It's so really? funny. It's unbelievably like funny. Like those ABC sitcoms that aren't Modern Family. Just I, I've, I, Matt, I don't give know how this one, marketed or give what. Give this one right, a shot. I'm in. I'll watch it. It's really funny. Okay, so so Ken Marino, Paul Shear, Russell Brand, uh, Rain Wilson from The Office, okay. and of course Backstrom. He's in. Wendy McClendon Covey's in this thing. So it's like everyone. So it's kind of like everybody that can make this thing great. It's like all It's going to make it's this like thing great. Everyone who started or cameoed in Reno 911. Right. <laughs> yeah, basically. Uh, I'll have to get to the bottom of that. Maybe uh, some of the producers are the same or, or something. Thomas Lennon, uh, um, Robert Garant. Uh, yeah, Robert Ben Garant. Uh, okay. So anyway, this thing looks awesome. I'm super stoked for it. And this is one of those things. I feel like it's going to be one of those projects where, you know, when Van Damme makes a movie about himself making a movie and it's like sort of a documentary, yeah, mockumentary. Kind of like so yeah, thing super meta. I feel like this is kind of going to be Nick Cage's like, hey, man, you know, it's awesome. Nick Cage. And here's why. <laughs> right. Yeah. Everyone shit all over knowing or whatever it was called. The knowing I watched yeah. it kind of liked it. You know, I'm sort of in. I'm in on National Treasure. I'm on board. Yeah. There was a sequel. I'm game. Talk to Chris Scopo. Yeah. His, his favorite movie is National Treasure. Dude, I liked that movie. I th I'm, I'm into those like sort of puzzly Tomb Raider-esque. Okay. Like anything that, because I love the Tomb Raider video game series. And I'm like, yeah. this is kind of like Tomb Raider, but yeah. it's Nick Cage and it's the guy from and it's not The Hangover. And it's not and an it's attractive a... digitized woman with giant exactly. breasts. All right. Exactly. Exactly. Anyway. Uh, so I just want to bring up Nick Cage, and so this this yeah, comedy like Army of this, One. I feel like you're using this time to just promote your pro Nick Cage agenda. <laughs> is what I feel like you're doing, and I don't know if I can get on board. All with right. That well, speaking of Russell Brand, April 24th, uh, opening uh, nationwide, Russell Brand's new documentary called The Emperor's New Clothes. It's all about, um, you know. Separation between the rich and the poor. Yeah, this is part of his activist side of Russell Brand. Okay, it's really interesting. Watch the trailer. It's not. It's not a topic that hasn't been explored before, but it is always interesting when you see someone of his stature, especially in the UK. This guy's huge. Yeah, you know, massive. Walking into an office and trying to get a meeting with someone to find out an answer. Yeah. you know, and they're just like, "Oh shit, it's it's Russell, Russell Brand. Brand. Uh, what do I do?" Wow. Right, so it's it's kind of interesting. So we got the trailer posted online. Um, are you interested in a Will Ferrell, Josh Gad soft porn comedy, Matt? Because that's coming from Michael Winterbottom, who uh, 
Stop. Stop with this madness. You're lying it's, to me. This is this is news. Go to the laughbutton.com. This is the news I, don't I if, post. I don't know if I want to read the news you post. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So it's Nick Cage and Michael Winterbottom and a softcore porn. No, no, comedy. no, no. No. Nick Cage is a separate this is a separate. No, no, no. Entity I'm now. just trying to evaluate the collective Mark Seaman posts on the laugh. All right. Button. Do you want me to tell you about my post about uh, Montreal's Just for Laugh Festival? Sure. And how you can, you know, submit a pitch and hopefully get invited for free to go 2016 edition. That'd be cool. I go to I go to JFL. It's fun. You, you go to JFL. It's I do. Fun. It's awesome. JFL is the best. Dude, but you know what the sad news of the week was? Honestly, that? I didn't mean to cut you off about your just the, for that. Lance Roseanne Bar is Roseanne yeah. Bar, dude. Like, say what you want. Like Roseanne did a lot of really great and funny things. Well, she was a pioneer for women. She was. To, to she definitely was. Let's just start there. I mean, her yes. sitcom his her sitcom ran for I think nine seasons. That sounds right. And uh, you know. Johnny Galecki, big star of Big Bang Theory, can can thank his lucky stars. You know, he got his, yeah, his big got break his there on Roseanne. Yes. You know, John Goodman's on that show. Tom Love Arnold's on, on that show. But the show was focused around a woman, and it was Roseanne Barr. And she broke down a lot of walls for people. And she's an activist, too. Speaking she of is. comics that are active, she, she ran for president of the United States. Yeah, she's like pro-weed. And, in yeah. in uh, 2012. We know why, because she's going blind. Yeah, so this is this is pretty sad, man. I, I I'm really bummed when when you know bad things happen to anybody. Yeah, you know, but when it happens to a celebrity, you know, more attention is is drawn towards it, and uh, this this has stricken her. Now it runs in her family, and she's admitted that, and she said she's smoking a lot of weed to take care of the problem because it's a very painful thing. I, I'm trying to find the correct pronunciation of the actual glaucoma and macular degeneration macular is what i'm looking for yeah yeah and she's slowly going by ah, it sucks man yeah but she could be running for president again so that'd be kind of cool i'd vote for her Zan. i would too sure why not why yeah why not why not in this comedy market we live in why <laughs> in this not comedy world we live in just Roseanne. because that would be a funny vote to make it would be it definitely would be well speaking of women amy schumer yeah. gets renewed for a fourth season before the third season even premiered she was renewed for a third that's how season. they do it these that's, days that's silicon great. valley which right? is great because you know what because you know what comedy central used to not do that mm -hmm. they used to drag it out drag it out and that's what happened to the sarah silverman show mm -hmm. emmy award-winning show just it was in limbo because they weren't sure if they're going to renew it for a while the heat kind of died down and then the second season came back and it was like what the hell's going on here so all right Matt there's too it's much like, news to get to so I mean John Stewart we got his last day announcement August August 6th. August 6th so mark your calendars and then obviously Trevor Noah takes over and for us in the news stories like what Andy Samberg's up to Marvel's trying to score Adam McKay you yeah. can learn about that uh, the Bill Hicks uh, Reddit AMA that we yeah, briefly his brother, mentioned his brother not Bill himself Bill's unavailable right yeah he's he's unavailable <laughs> and uh, I, I gotta throw this in here for my wife speaking of my wife uh, yeah. she's she's latino okay and uh this is sad news for her uh sabado gigante which is the show she got me into it happens on saturday nights it's a comedy variety show that's been yeah. on for 53 years that's same host really i didn't know the same guy hosted it don I francisco was, i didn't know it was the same guy that is same host his real name's mario uh, kreutzberger and don't ask me why is that his Kreuzberger. Kreuzberger. Well, look, the Germans sort of, yeah. you know, went down to South America some time ago, and you know, there's a lot, mixed of, with lot the gene of pool. Yeah, basically, <laughs> just mixed with the gene pool out there. But anyway, he goes by the name Don Francisco on uh, on the show Sabado Gigante. Wow. And when I when I started dating my Puerto Rican wife. This is like lifeblood for them, you know, in the, in the Latino their community. SNL. Yeah, it's kind of like their SNL. And I would, I mean, this is how I got to know her dad. 
was I would sit down and watch this show, and he really? would like explain to me what's going what's on because I didn't speak Spanish. I don't understand Spanish, but I started learning Spanish that way. Huh? And so much talent has come through that show over fifty-three years. Uh, some of the bigger talent that we would know here in the states, like Sofia Vergara, like a very young Sofia Vergara, Pele, Shakira, Bill Gates, Barack Obama's been on this show. Wow. You know, Al Gore. So just to let you know, why did they cancel it? No word yet. Ah, Univision has not said so. Uh, I'll I'll update that story as it comes in. But a lot of HBO no- news as well. All right, we got to get to Rob yeah, Cantrell. We got to go, man. And his go. his awesome Mitch Hedberg story. So hope you enjoy it. Without further ado, Rob Cantrell, everyone. All right, hanging out right now with the one and only Rob Cantrell, stand-up comedian, actor, rapper, and writer. I think that's uh, that's almost alphabetical order. Yeah. <laughs> you appeared on The Colbert Report, Totally Biased with W. Kamau Bell, Access TV, performed at South by Southwest. I did. Bonnaroo. I did. Mm-hmm. These are all true stories so These far. These are true. These are checks. You were a top 10 finalist in the first season ever of Last Comic Standing. That's, yeah. And uh, your song, this is my favorite credit, your song Heavy Weather can currently be heard during the end credits of Tom McCaffrey's feature film, Adventures of Comedy. Congratulations on that, by the way. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. When I watched that movie and that song came on, I was like, yes, yes, and yes. And I just, ah, that riff, man, the the riff, yeah, the vibe of that song. I don't know what it is. It's just so feel good. And uh, I, I don't know. I was like obsessed with it. I played it for my wife like 10 times. She's like, you watching Heavy Weather again? I'm like, I can't get enough of it. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. So for everyone out there listening uh, right now to the podcast, uh, pause it for a second. Uh, YouTube heavy weather Rob Cantrell and then unpause it and you'll be in a different headspace moving forward It's kind of got a rap rock vibe, but it's like somehow cleaned like the guy sent me I got to give all the credit to Andy Barlow who does all my uh, Did most of my beats I would say okay, and uh, but he sent me on that album You just sent me three like a bunch of beats and that was one of them And it was just like this really aggressive rock riff, but then it had this like clean techno like not to get nerdy, but it was like 90 to 100 rpms like it was a little bit faster like a like a almost a pop 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 so it just had this cool mixture of things and we we were like i was like this does sound like a forecast like it sounds like it's about to be a weather report yeah and that's the energy you caught man and the vibe because uh you know to your point how you're describing it it wasn't like you know, most people think right away like Rage Against the Machine or something, right? Yeah. If, if you're rapping and you or got Limp heavy riffs or yeah, track, they can go kind of cheesy, right? Yeah. It's not like that at all. It's weird. It's like, it's like if the weather reports were wrapped. Yeah. You know, in your local news, I don't, I don't know how else with to a sick it. riff behind it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so funny. Uh, but um, and also you just put out recently the uh, coffee and weed remix. Yes. Which was interesting, interesting timing because you emailed me, and you were like, "Hey, this this shit's going down in D.C." And I got this song. I just happened to make it. And did you shoot it down in D.C. as well? Yeah, it's all shot in D.C. And the band, that was another live drumming. But yeah, you were great by posting that video. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm very very proud of that. But yeah, we shot it at a live show and everything with a full band and everything. And ran around. I crashed at my mom's house. I did a show at this place called the Palace, uh, Wonderland Palace, which is like, I don't know. It's kind of like a, I wouldn't say hipster bar, but it's in like kind of a, you know, a turning neighborhood. And, uh, but they pack it out for comedy shows nice. and they had me down there and they paid me and it was sold out. So I was like, I'm just going to bring this band that I know is from the area and try to film a video and do it all live. And what's their name again? The band? Lion Eyes. Yeah, that's it. Lion Eyes. Yeah. Lion Eyes. 
and uh, it's a it's a go go remix to Coffee and Weed, which is a, a song I did on my Keep on the Grass album, uh, like in two thousand nine, and the, which featured Arch Barker, and I had Adam Dubin, this director that directed it, and uh, and I loved that song, but the timing seemed to be a little. It was a little ahead of it, not to say it was ahead of its time, but it it was in 2009 and everything's going legal now. Like right now is the time to have a pod song. Right. If you're right. going to do a weed song is right now. If you're going to do a weed show right now, uh, because the tide is just changing so hardcore with legalization as it sh- as I've been excited and pretty much, uh, you know, it's always been kind of a, a part of my comedy vision was just, you know, just something that I that that I would always try to get a touch on or get out there that I wanted it to be legal. Not that I, I've ever been political, but it's just always something I never wanted to be cheesy about it. Um and sometimes I, I guess maybe it's come across as cheesy, but I just uh, thought it's just something that, you know, you just keep on bringing it up, you know, get it back out in the ether and let people, you know, think and talk about it. I agree. Uh, I It's funny because I was never, you know, I never smoked weed like yeah, you're, forever. You're... Uh, you know, I tried it once or twice. It was fine. Didn't do anything. So I was like, it's okay, whatever. Everybody. Yeah. And uh, but I never frowned upon it. People that did want to do it, and I I remember I wrote this song a long time ago on my first EP I ever released called Superpowers, and one of the lines were was that I wanted to to just legalize weed. Yeah. Like I felt that passionately about it that I had to write about it in the song, and I was like, I don't even live in that that world at all at all but i was just like it's silly that it's just not a thing yeah you know so um yeah out of I all mean, the I'm drugs that are that out there the and just like all the people that have been arrested and doing time and lives have been ruined and you know and usually stoners are just non-violent usually yeah, you know usually. not everybody uh but for the most part they're non-violent and you know if somebody's stoned at a party they're not starting trouble <laughs> right but i if mean anything they're gonna overstay their hospitality <laughs> yeah but, and, yeah they're just giggling and being weird in the quarter right but, uh at, you know at the m- most part i just think that it would just be better for our society if it got legal that's all that's my personal view well there's much in my opinion there's much more benefit than there is harm you know with the, there's so many people suffering in the world i mean my mom was a nurse so i heard about anything and everything that would come through a hospital and you know when it's clear that this stuff can help someone who's Especially in a very a bad killer. situation yeah. it's like i get it it's yeah. fine. And the opiates and people being strung out on Oxycontin and all these uh, Percocets is another opiate. And, you know, people, pills have taken over America, especially in the last 10 years. It's not, I mean, when I was growing, I'm older. So when I grew up, it was like Coke and, you know, just in weed and, and I never messed with Coke. But nowadays that seems to all have kind of gone to the side and it's just pills, pills, Oxy, Oxy. And then they get strung out on heroin, oh, you man. know, and. And so, I mean, not that it's a detergent, but if you could throw a cloud of weed in there somehow just to, like, buffer that whole hard drug thing that's coming down the pipe, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I I think it's a good deter. You know, if you're going to do something, if you're going to then weed, I think, is the least harmful. And just let the record show, I think you said detergent. So I don't Deter- know. What's don't the know word am I looking uh, for? Deterrent. Yeah, deterrent. <laughs> so yeah. I don't. I don't know what uh, what scale of high you, look, you are right now, yeah. but but detergent's fine. Hey, clean, I also got a song laundry. about laundry too. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob Cantrell, um, 
Thank you for swinging by, man. I appreciate it. Oh, and it's good to finally me. catch up. It's it's been too long. Uh, let's let's turn things back to comedy real quick because one of your credits was that you, you were a top ten finalist the very first season of Last Comic Standing, and this show is still going. I mean, still it's gone. still going. So when you watch it now or you hear about it now, you know what what thoughts go through your brain because it's so different now. It, it's not the same show as it was back then, right? Yeah, it's not the same. It's just been through. You know, it is contests are a deal with the devil in terms of uh, comedy competitions, and it's so brutal. Comedy's so hard, and competitions are brutal. But I do think if you need to get your foot in the door, or you need to start up your career again, or if you just feel like you want to win the thing, then go for it. You know, I don't judge anybody on it. But uh, the last few seasons, no, I haven't really watched. I can't say that I've really watched. Mm-hmm. Watch that. I mean, last year, I guess the Wanda Sykes was a good call. I like Wanda Sykes. I like Craig Robinson. I like J.B. Smooth. I like kind of all those hosts kind of getting um, into it. But I will always say that my season was the best. And I will always. And I know that I'm not trying to be cocky. And I'm not. I mean, I just know that's the truth, that that season that I was on, I shared a bunk bed with that fan, all right? <laughs> that name will always go, which is terrible. But, uh, and he won, right? So, and he yeah, won, yeah. which is people hate, especially, I think, the younger generation. That's what I'm... F- Some guy said to me, he goes, I'm part of the dat fan generation. Oh, wow. Wow. I think the younger kids, like, I don't... I think, like... The younger kids don't remember this, that, or the un- other, but they remember Dad Fan winning Last Comic Stand. It's got to be the name. It was a huge coup, and he was uh, almost a villain in our industry, which is odd. Uh, but, you know, Ralphie May, Rich Voss, Dave Mordow, uh yeah, that was just a fun time, man. Uh, I, so it's hard for me to diss the show. I'll never be like, oh, fuck that show. I'm too. Uh, that show really helped. I never had a day job since that show. Wow. Okay. Um, so it so, did wonders for you. Now, yeah. uh, you mentioned, you know, maybe some people want to jumpstart their career. Some people want to recharge their career. Where were you, headspace-wise, and as a comic when you decided to do it? Because that competition hadn't existed yet, right? So there wasn't... You know, you hear stories about some people didn't have to wait in line for seven hours because they have like sort of a slot. They're just going to swing in, swing out. You know, you hear this these stories of like stuff sort of set up for people to get to the next round and whatever. All that aside, it didn't exist when you decided to do it. So where were you at headspace? I can't wise? even explain it. You know, it really wasn't like where did you hear about it? Like how did you from an open out mic? It? My buddy Mike Spiegelman, just a dude, told me I waited in line and uh, it was like. I waited in line. I'd been doing stand-up three and a half years, and I was good enough to start opening at the Punchline in San Francisco. I moved away from the West Coast. That's big I was time, in my man. Tw- 20s. Yeah. It was a big time. I was grinding, and I have to say, yeah, I had no social life, no real girlfriend, just stand-up, stand- which you, you got to do in, when you first start out. You kind of have to be all in. And uh, But I was never... G- and I'm starting to get my shit together. A lot of stand-up is just like marketing and getting your shit together. And I never had a headshot, never had an agent. I never, I just showed up and just would keep on showing up and write and show up and try to kill hard. And that was my whole thing. So I have to say that 
Last Comic Standing gave me the opportunity just to bypass a lot of the tedious bullshit that I probably would have gotten lost in if I didn't have that show. Like, it kind of just let me get away with being that slack of uh, getting my, like, my business together. But what I've learned is when the heat kind of died off and over the years, you know, I've had to kind of rebuild uh, from that and there was kind of a backlash even getting on gigs or getting on television shows after being on a reality show that was that big um, I had to kind of I came to New York and kind of rebuilt everything I've had to kind of rebuild everything after kind of the kind of after the honeymoon after the honeymoon was over you know yeah it was a beautiful honeymoon period and then it was over and then there was another season that was that was the thing about being on the first season there was nobody else so it was right. just when it you brought up that you. show it was just me but then the season two then the season three then the season you know every year there's another set of motherfuckers 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 and people blow up from it you know um and you know it's all how you play your cards but i you know i got dealt a good hand that year and uh i made the most of it and uh it, it, it was a blast it was a lot of fun and it was only like dude it was only like six weeks like a you know and i had to live in a house too i lived in a house That's in the so hollywood funny. hills with ralphie may with, with rich voss and ralphie's still like a good friend of mine and rich Voss. if i see any of those guys like i did make you know good friends and good business contacts from it you know none of us all came from the same comedy world but at the end of the day stand up is stand up it's yeah just telling jokes huge shout out to ralphie too i love that dude man. i love ralphie. he's been so good to me over the years but same same funny motherfucker man that guy is so funny yeah he could just read a menu and he's yeah. funny man he, that hey man does that talk I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you what about the genre. Uh, he's, uh, I love that voice. I love just being around Ralphie. It is. It's it's really it's intoxicant. It's fun. It's fun. And check out his new special too, uh, Unruly. It's yeah, on Netflix check out right his now Netflix if you special it. for yeah. sure. It's very cool. Well, um, and he's a beast. He's a he's a monster performer, and he's. Uh, I got to do a, some recent. Gig. He has a tour bus now, and yeah, it's making, crazy. Sells out theaters, and he makes millions of dollars every year. Uh, but he's, you know, he's also a guy that's been my age, and he's been doing it since he's 17, 16 years old. He worked really old. hard to get yeah, there, yeah, man. It's it not easy. Yeah. No, it, th that whole thing didn't go overnight. That's why, you know, I love Ralphie so much. Like, he definitely is one of those dudes that uh, kind of grinded it out and, you know, fought his way to the top. All right, so you get to New York City. Um, had, you been, had you been here before? Yeah, I mean, I'm from D.C. and I'm from the East Coast, so I was in California for a good five years, and... I just been, I was so, I love California. I loved it. As soon as I moved out there, I love San Francisco and the Bay. I love LA. It's cool. Uh, but I love the Bay better. But I love the beach and I love the vibe and I love their attitude towards pot. Um, but it was just the stage time in LA that I was at a point in my career that I was only like three and a half years in. And I knew once the heat you know, I was I wasn't an actor by nature. I never was a theater kid. I never, I was just a goofball that loved stand up, and I went into stand up as hard as I can, and uh, I put it, all my chips into it. You know, for a good three or four years, and payback came at back from that hard work. But I knew in order to become a really good, it's just you got to get that ten thousand hours. You got to get good stage time. You got to perform with the best. And yeah, that's you know, I came to New York. Who, who were your peers at that at that time? Not to stop you, but yeah, like, uh, where, where were you at? So you jump up on stage. Who was on stage with you? Uh, you know, the guys that were ahead of me were Al Madrigal and W. Kamau Bell 
and um, Arge Barker was even ahead, more ahead of me. He was definitely already like an international guy and been on Letterman and stuff like and that. And he's huge in Australia, right? Like yeah. He's just like beast down there. He's a beast. He sells out all those theaters in Australia. He just Wild. loves it. He, he, I think he's like a part-time citizen down there. Oh, wow. Like he has half they citizenship. They gave him the key to the country? They're yeah. just like, here he you go. The key back. to the continent, I should say. <laughs> I got Yeah, I think that whole story is brilliant as well. I think his career is brilliant. I think Arj is brilliant. Good dude. This has been there for me. Tony Kameen was bouncing around. Who else? Patton had already left San Francisco. So I think the guy, Joe Klosik is another guy that's really good. Mike Spiegelman, um, really funny dude. And they had a sketch group. Mike Spiegelman and Al Madrigal had a really cool sketch group back in the day in San Francisco called the Fresh Robots. And they were all stand-ups, but they also did sketch. And so they, that whole thing was kind of going around. Uh, the San Francisco scene was... Uh, there was another guy, the guy who I started with, like the day I started was Steve Mazon. Do you know Steve yeah, Mazon? Yeah, sure, Steve Mazon. He had he had a crazy documentary. About that, cancer? Yeah, about cancer and getting on David Letterman and everything. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Steve and I were uh, probably, I remember being at an open mic, like we were literally like started the first week. So I would say that was like, then Gary Cannon was another guy that yeah, was around. Gary. Uh, Gary. That's super nice and cool and funny. And, uh, and you know, I love, all, you know, it's hard. It, the, all those guys you start out with and I never see them as much, but there is a part of me that I, I love hanging out and seeing all those dudes. Be wild to like take a sneak peek back into, you know, watch some sets, go back to some old shows that you're a part of, right? Yeah, for blow sure. your mind. Yeah. Well, you get to New York City and you decide to, uh, you, you know, I guess permanent residency here. You 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 stake your claim. You want to make a scene, or were you in and out when I was kind of in it at that time? I was doing the road, and I got lucky. Like, I got signed by Barry Katz. I was running with Barry for a while, and okay. then opening for Jay Moore for a while, but then that relationship kind of fell apart. And it just wasn't it just wasn't working. And I had to like leave Barry and I was kind of left all alone in L.A. without agent or manager. So that was kind of that was the scary point. But the good thing about Barry is that I got to do the Boston Comedy Club like he loaded me up. He didn't have he couldn't because I was only three years into stand up. It was the first year last comic standing ever happened. So the clubs weren't really sure what to do. And nobody really knew how to work this heat that was happening. The few years later, they put tours together. They they knew how they to figure it. it out. They yeah. figured it out. But my year, there really wasn't anything like that, and the numbers were ridiculous. So there was this weird situation. Like I'm like, dude, I'm on NBC and we got Friends number, and you can't book me any gigs. And he was like, well, I'll give you the Boston. Barry was like, you can go to New York and you could do all the sets you want at Boston. So I remember I came here and I did like two weeks of just sets i have to say barry was great on that like he did give me sets at the boston and it was patrice i had to follow patrice wow. and, and robert kelly you know and that was when the seller was and still the seller but that was when it, it was voss and all those tough crowd people that was that fucking wrecking crew that was just out front and they were all so funny and intimidating and just great fucking comics. Burr was bouncing around. So I got to come in with three years experience and I kind of got, I kind of got, you know, 
grandfathered into working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, all three nights, cash in my pocket in New York City, which I was, you know, a year before just scrounging in San Francisco at coffee shops, so broke, like living in a broom closet to like, wham, I'm in New York and I got a manager that's, you know, opened all these doors for me. And, uh, and then, then, but what I will say is that kind of relationship, because cause I, wasn't, I wasn't getting like headlining work. And now that I look back, I understand why. Like, I understand why it wasn't there yet. Right. And, but at the same time, I, you know, I had a solid 15 to 30 minutes that I could do really well. And the p- booker at the punchline, who ends up being the booker at Live Nation, uh, put me on the Mitch Hedberg tour. So I got to do a theater tour. So when the Barry thing fell out, then I jumped on the Hedberg tour, and that was a whole other ride. Was running with Hedberg when he was. When, uh, I, it's so, so far. Sad. It sounds it's to me so like you're sad. two for two. Like you, you come, you show up. You're like slamming out sets on weekends. Yeah. Then you're jumping on the Mitch tour. The Mitch tour. So it, yeah. I have to say, yeah, I can't complain. It and it, that was a lot of fun, and I learned so much from that. But then when I settled into New York, um, I moved here. I would say after the Mitch tour, and I was still getting some, like there was a club in Baltimore that started headlining me, Reno, like kind of these B cities would headline me. Interesting. But then the Boston kind of fell apart. Barry sold the Boston. Yeah, eventually went away. And then next season of Last Comic Stand, it came out, and then the third season, and then all of a sudden I was back in the trenches. I was back in the goo. And uh, just trying to find footing on everything. And that's when I started doing shows down in the Lower East Side. Like, uh, I have to give a shout out to uh, The Heart of Darkness. And that was... Uh, yeah, Greg Barris. Or... Greg Barris and Reggie Watts. Before Reggie Watts became Reggie... Before I mean, he won the Kaufman Award. And, yeah, 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 before sure. all that, he was just this dude that was just blowing minds. I got to see the beginning of Reggie Watts. And I got to do that show with Reggie Watts. And he was doing so much music. And I had a jazz band back in San Francisco. And that's when... And then at the same time, Arch Barker landed Flight of the Concord. So he was living in Brooklyn. So I... Yeah, that was a cool time. That's when I started rapping. Me and Arch, I would go over to Arch while he was doing Fly of the Concords, and we would smoke pot and freestyle on YouTube. That's we just, amazing. Uh, we would just look up YouTube instrumentals, and I. <laughs> so you get uh, you just get these instrumental clips and then just go at it. Yeah, over just top go of it? at it just for pure shits and giggles. Please tell me you recorded so. There is a flip cam of us freestyling in his room, like a couple kids. There was a we had. Remember what, what was those big the big flip. That was the big thing was the flip cam. Yeah, yeah. And there is, there, yeah, there is one. I, I, yeah, I promised him I wouldn't put it up. So, I, I, but I do have it on file. It's okay. somewhere. But that's when he did. That's when I got to put together my 2009 album was uh, Keep on the Grass, and I did four rap tracks on mm-hmm. that. And Arch Barker got to be on the first Coffee and Weed one. That's cool, man. That's good uh-huh. stories. Well, uh, to backtrack real quick, um, and and I hope you remember doing this. We we uh, at my old gig, we sat with Lynn Shawcroft, Mitch's uh, you know widow. Yeah, that was and huge. It was you and Mike Birbiglia and myself and. Was Doug Stanhope there yeah, too? Doug My God, Doug, what a room. Yeah. Doug Stanhope was there. And then uh, and then a couple other people would trickle in. And I think we had live audience, but we were we were celebrating Mitch, you know, and everything, uh, and all things Mitch Hedberg. And 
for the new listeners who haven't heard this story before, I, I vaguely remember it. I want to refresh your course myself. You, you told us a story about um, you and Mitch before a show. You said you were going to go buy karate outfits. Yes. I think, and, and perform maybe a show. So can you give, give me the story again on that? Yeah, or? I have to say Lynn put me on that show. Uh, that serious show. So that was all Lynn. So I have to shout out Lynn Shaw. Yeah, she's amazing. I love she's Lynn, man. She's a sweetheart. A, yeah, she's such and, a sweetheart. I miss and her. And she yeah. went through how and back and who knows. Yeah. You know, the whole Mitch thing is complicated as well as addiction and, you know, alcoholism. But Lynn has definitely been a survivor. And Lynn uh, was cool enough. And I was honored to be on that path. Anything involved. I don't think I'll ever touch what Mitch was as a joke writer. I mean, at the end of the day, stand up is just jokes, and Mitch was just fucking Picasso. Yeah, he was shit. Money. Yeah, he was just money. <laughs> uh, so just to even be able to open up for him was was an honor, and then just to be on that like panel with Doug, which is one of the best, and as uh, Berbiglia is one of the best. You know, they're all really great. But uh, I remember that those running with Mitch was a lot of fun, and he wasn't always strong. I never saw him shoot up and I never saw him too fucked up. I saw him a little drunk, maybe goofed up on pills, maybe a couple times, but I wasn't drinking at the time and I was smoking pot, but I wouldn't smoke it that much in front of him. Like there was one time in the green room room when Lynn wasn't around, Mitch and I got to smoke some pot. And I know he didn't have any heroin or anything. Like we had a good weekend. It was in Sacramento, but this was a gig where we're going to Buffalo and this was at the, and it was the last time I ever saw him, and it was the last time we ever worked together. And the la- next thing I heard, Bartnick, Joe Bartnick called me and told me the news. But uh, we were driving, and he had to, he had to rent a car, but he would upgrade to a really nice car. And it was me, Lynn, him, and then Greg Shaley, who is Stanhope's boy, who kind of helps manage and uh, works the road with Stanhope in terms of like merch and booking and stuff. So Shaley was helping Mitch out on this big tour and uh, we were going through Buffalo and there we were driving and we would stop at like weird outdoor stores or anything interesting. He would just pull over and we would dick around like so. And it was all really fun. And uh, it was like doing the road with Hedberg. Um, and we were driving into Buffalo. We were, we were doing a theater, and Stephen Lynch canceled because he got that Broadway show oh, for yeah. this one gig. And I did in Buffalo. It was just me and Mitch. I opened, and they wanted me to do 25 minutes, and then they brought, and then I brought out Mitch. And we drove, and over on the side of the highway was this big sign that said fireworks and karate. <laughs> so we were like, holy shit. <laughs> oh my God, you see best. a sign like that, you're, you're, you you're pulling pull over. over. Yeah. yeah. So we, and we went over and it was just tons of fireworks, tons of ninja stars, nunchucks, <laughs> karate geese. Oh, we Mitch was getting paid and I was making some money at the time and I didn't have family or kids. So I had goofy money to spend. You had so some we got, ninja star money. I had some it? ninja star money. <laughs> and, and we bought, I remember just being like, Mitch, we got to wear these. Let's wear some karate geese. And he's like, all right, all right. And so we bought three karate geese. And I think Lynn was into it. And, and Greg Shaley was into it. Uh, we were just having a blast. And Mitch bought a ton of bottle rockets. Bought all, and Roman candles and black. He bought all these fireworks. And we bought karate outfits and fireworks. And then we went to the gig. <laughs> Uh, and so Lynn great. had a cold, so Lynn couldn't make it until like later. And Shaley was around, but it was a weird gig. 
and Mitch might have been drinking because we lived. I had to go in the cheap fifty dollar hotel. Mitch was mm-hmm. at some high end super hotel, and which was fine. I was just psyched to be on the gig, and they were well paid, and they were sick kids. Get, just getting a hotel room as a comedy. Yeah, you don't sweet. even. Th- I mean, you don't even think about that anymore, man. I mean, yeah. when you think about those memories, like who cares? You know oh, what I mean? No, yeah, I was yeah. psyched just to get a room. I'm still yeah. psyched to get a room. <laughs> Uh, I I just need a quiet place to masturbate and eat and eat burritos, <laughs> masturbate, uh, light off fireworks in a karate, karate gi. Yeah, right? yeah. Uh, but no, the karate. So I remember sitting in my room like, "Am I really gonna wear this karate gi? Am I really gonna wear this karate gi?" And I know some friends from Buffalo. And if you uh, do, you know people from Buffalo. I do. I know people. Aren't from, they all from a little odd? Chitawaga area and they're yeah, all Orchard funny. Park. Yeah, they're all interesting they're, folks. Yeah, they're all super interested, and they can drink their ass off. Mm-hmm. They drink Labatt's Blue. They're tough as nails because they play hockey. Right. I, three of my college best friends were all from Buffalo, and they're hardcore goofballs. Like they're bartenders in New Orleans right now. Different breed of funny. It's it's yeah. kind of the way Canada has their own type of funny, and the UK has. Their yeah, it's Buffalo, not New York City funny. No, no, no. no, no. They it's got Buffalo, a, New York funny. Buddy, yeah. Which is kind of an oddball. Like, they they would love Mitch. Yes. They would love wearing a karate gi. So I call my dudes from Buffalo. I'm like, dudes, I'm thinking about wearing a karate gi for this gig. <laughs> they were like, yes, yes, yes. Always wear the karate gi. Always in Buffalo. Go, go. And I said, fuck it. I'm wearing this karate gi. And I, I wore it. the karate gi. And it had this sick red belt. It had a red belt. And, uh... And but Mitch chickened out. He wouldn't wear the karate oh, gear. He wouldn't wear it. And I was like, Oh man. So you had to bring him out, right? So so you didn't know really what he was wearing until you literally brought him out on stage. Like, yeah, yeah. So did you did you you know you know Well we you... saw each other backstage and he was just like, Nah, I'm not gonna do it. Oh, and okay. I already had it on and I was like and I was smoking pot. So I was just like So you weren't when gonna, you're you were high, gonna be you're like, well, should I wear my dirty jeans or wear a motherfucking karate gi with a <laughs> red belt i'm gonna wear this karate gi- and open i have to say mitch was co- i wouldn't have done i wouldn't have worn that shit if i was headlined either but open for mitch was so easy it was right. literally like the hottest coolest hippest crowd and you just had to if you knew how to do stand up you would you could You'd do be your a success 15, yeah. you would be successful so i knew there was no pressure on me i could go out there and juggle you know dildos or whatever and in the i could have gotten you know applause, applause. And like, it was best easy. opener ever man. yeah yeah totally <laughs> it was it was it was it was a hot knife through butter uh most of the time and uh but yeah we did that was I went out there and I did it, and the people loved it. The people in Buffalo, I mean, I did the uh, set went kind of, there was a, just a weird, awkward thing in the room because they were expecting Stephen Lynch, so he wasn't there. Right. Then Lynn was cold, and I think this is like Mitch was, there was a lot of stories. None of the shows that I ever did went off the rails. I will say that. Some of the other ones did, but I, the shows I always emceed because I just, I never was boozing hard. And I think at the end of the day, like alcohol would fuck Mitch up and he liked alcohol and he would just drink vodka like he was in Wasp. Like he was like a metal. He drank it like Guns N' Roses. Like he literally was a rock star. 
you know. I love that you chose Wasp. Just well, the there record. is that scene in Wasp. You know, you, yes. know, you know what the scene I'm talking of about? Of course. The but... lead singer, and he's <laughs> downing the bottle of vodka, and his mom is sitting by the pool in the desert. Uh, what was that film called? I just love, I just, I mean, my, I'm sorry. My brain yeah. is just like, Wasp. Because that was an acronym too, right? Wasp. It was like yeah. W period A period. <laughs> Something I like, don't know if I ever knew what that meant, Wasp. I'm going to have to You want to Google it? Because yeah, it is something sexual. I do remember that. I oh, think I there's something goofy and 80s sexual to And what Wasp. movie was that? That's going to drive it was me crazy. De- it was like The Decline of Western Civilization 2. <laughs> and the, the first one was about the punk rock era. And then right. the second one was all about the hair metal era. Um, and there's a scene where the guy's... Wasp is a rock star and he like downs a whole bottle of vodka and he's in the pool. Oh my god. And his mom is sitting next to him just chilling, just, just chilling there and he's <laughs> just literally downing like full bottles of pop off. That's insane. Uh, yeah, Wasp, yeah, and Wasp didn't stick around either. Uh wonder why. Wonder why. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not to sound weird. Uh it says white Anglo-Saxon um Protestants. Well, that's yeah, that's what a wasp is. But yeah. what about metal? Could you go metal band? Yeah, I'm looking it up, but I I don't. Uh, it's not. Is they fell off the map that yeah, hard? They're name, not even name, on. They're not even capturing it's... Google. Damn. I'll dig around here while yeah, we, yeah, while yeah, we yeah. wrap they up. Were, but... They were the most misogynistic and alcoholic. Like they 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 pulled they they played that metal fucking cheese metal shit to the core. Up to the yeah, up to the yeah. Tens. They weren't even yeah. It wasn't like Slayer. They were like Modley. Like they were like a bad Modley crew. So like that first funny. Molly Crew album is actually really good. Oh, here we go. We are sex perverts. That's what I said. It was se- yeah. Or or alternatively, we are sexual prophets. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah, 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 yeah. Wasp was all about ass, ass, and wait, hold on. Nineteen ninety seven album called Kill Fuck Die. I don't know about this. <laughs> yeah, they they met probably hasn't. They they were pretty big. They were up there. Well, they I remember Metallica. I remember them being big and stuff, but I, I didn't I didn't realize they made it all the way to ninety seven. They never had a hit. You gotta yeah. have like one fucking hit to stick around. Like Metallica, nothing else matters, and Guns N' Roses, like they had some top forty shit. Wasp never made the top forty, man. <laughs> they were just sexual perverts. Uh hilarious. But uh but, but man, what yeah, a great the show mem- was great. What a great memory though. Yeah, man. I just it's have to cool. say the last thing yeah, I was photos on the phone. of you and the ghee, by the way. Did There's they exist? one photo. And I had it on an old website, and I think it's on a hard drive somewhere. But I will say, there's a couple comics. Joe Perna, do you know Joe? Uh, He does the UCB. There's a couple comics from Buffalo that just came up to me, and they're like, I saw you at the first comedy show I've ever been to. And it was that show. It was that show. Wow. Tim Diamond also saw me. Do you know Tim Diamond? Tim Diamond. How could you not know Tim Diamond? He's actually a producer over at Red Eye now. Mm -hmm. And he saw me in Pittsburgh, which was a hot show with Hedberg, too. It was the first, like, his first stand-up show was Hedberg. Wow. So I got exposed to a cool, like, it didn't blow me up. I'm not buying limousines, you know, I'm not uh, buying Rolls Royces or anything, but... You know, some of these things come back. Yeah, but I don't even think it's about that, Rob. I mean, look, money's nice, and it, and it maybe it solves some things. You know what I mean? But it doesn't solve everything. I think that's evident. You know, with yeah, I was with, having this conversation recently. Is, is, it, is it Jim Carrey that famously said, like, you know, I wish everyone could win the lottery or or be millionaires, whatever, so they can see that it's not. You yeah, know, it's not a, the best thing ever. Like, it's you know, it's cool, great, you have money, but it doesn't solve. Every, you know. 
we're all humans, man. We all deal with the same. You're gonna have some more bullshit, yeah. Yeah, and you might even have more bullshit on top of that. It's so. Usually, more gets more complicated. Is what happens. Yeah, but you and know, it just could you think about never like never like nothing would feel right like not like you would never if you could have everything you wanted like any drink any food any move like all of that at your access nothing would you wouldn't appreciate anything like that's now, very true it's like there's a dark side to being uh, that successful there yeah. is a dark there's a coldness to it but i do think that yeah i mean but i got a kid and i, I like well, to send her to private school well that's different but it also doesn't take 50 million dollars to do that right right it it helps. It helps. Oh, maybe it does. I don't know. Does yeah, it yeah. cost fifty million? No, no. I mean, I, I went... could I could do it with one million. Okay, one million. I could do it with one million. <laughs> I got, all I need is one hit. Uh, I could do it with one million. And I feel I'm good. bad. I'm, I'm trying good. to talk either of us out of making money in the yeah. future. No, but I. You know what? I think of life this way sometimes, Robin, and maybe you could back me up on this. But mm-hmm. if you up to this point in your life right now, let's say you did have ten million dollars right now, just you have. To, I'm giving you ten million dollars. How much of that would you spend on the memories you have? Like, how much is that Mitch Hedberg, Karate Gi story, live in that tour? How many millions of dollars is that worth to you? I can't, I couldn't, it's priceless, I, right? Yeah, it's priceless. Cause, so, yeah. so what's it matter? I mean, it just gets you to the end. Like, maybe you outlive somebody else. Because... And I had a real job before stand-up. Like, I was in an office. I was a sales guy. I was a headhunter. And I was driving in Northern Virginia My from... 20 to no right after college and did it for like three or four years like i like if i did like if i just stuck that route man i wouldn't have these memories which yeah i can't I you, wouldn't you, think, would, you would have you would have some shitty memory yeah some office party memory with shannon's birthday uh, yeah and and mike made out with the fucking yeah you yeah. know whoever so, yeah and, and you'd be like so so okay and and you have 50 million dollars so you're taking that you're taking the Mitch Hedberg route. Yeah, I'm taking the Mitch Hedberg route. And you got route. a kid and you got a family. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think so. And it gives you perspectives. A lot of the failures, like I didn't go as... A lot of the failures that I've had in, in show business have given me such good perspective and also just kept my ego in check and just kept, you know, everything. You know, it's just really... Stand-up has taught me so much and pretty much made a man... I mean... It did make a man of me, you know, in a lot of ways. It did teach me a lot of really hard fucking life lessons of, you know, just, just survival, bombing, rejection, Gen- celebration. Ration. Friends yeah. die, friends go this way. But then there's all this weird success, you know, things turn around and, you know, yep. other people blow up and you get inspired. And I'm still inspired to do it. I still want to make another music video. I still want to. I love that about you, Cantrell, yeah, man. I, wanna, I, wanna, I just want to crank it out. I'm like, I, I see my twitter feed or facebook or or the internet or whatever it's like there's rob pumping out another video man just getting it done (laughs) and i love that because it it makes you realize like you you know am i I slacking like this guy's doing it why why can't i make a rap video why am i not being you know what i mean yeah yeah, and i think that's what keeps me so busy all the time and and we were talking about this off mic but i think it's why i can't say no to anything yeah you know what i mean because i just feel if if i literally had to just go home and be like what am i doing tonight i'd pride freak out and then waste the whole night and it's like could have wrote a TV song it's boring yeah after yeah. a while and yeah unless it's the last comic standing season one <laughs> <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> but even then it's not, i mean I, I just have a 
I have I I just do uh, know there was something cool about that. Not that it was never dude, cool. It was special it was the original it was, man. It was the it's, original. It's like just on the, the first whole round real world the or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like puck. You know, it's like real world. Like there's there's a couple seasons of the real world where it's like that's no, That's the fucking season. You that's know, that's the winner right yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Hilarious. Uh, uh, everyone can check out Rob Cantrell on his website, robcantrell.com. Follow him on Twitter at Rob Cantrell and uh, pick up his album Dreams Never Die. And check out a heavy weather, everybody. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's just awesome. Oh, thank you. You know man. what it is, man. It's it's like that song that it it reminds me of like when when a movie comes on TV and when you see it, you're like ah, and you just watch the rest of it, no matter where it's at in the movie. That's how that song is, man. It comes on, I'm just like. I gotta, I gotta go back, start it over, listen to it again. Yeah, it's good. Sometimes this song makes the movie, man. Yeah, uh, yeah. I so love... kudos again on that. If, Thank if you. Everyone, check out Adventures in Comedy. It's Tom McCaffrey's movie. He did a feature long movie. In fact, it's, it's the a first great film. one. Yeah, yeah. It was, it's really well done, and it's the first one that Comedy Dynamics has put out. Yeah. Um, and I mean, everybody's in it: Jim Gaffigan, Gene Garofalo, Aisha Tyler, Michael Che, uh, Michael Che's in it, and and it's sort of this. Um, I don't want to say mockumentary, but it's 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 taken from the vantage point of Tom McCaffrey and him trying to just get it done and his trials and tribulations of getting this album out. And uh, and you get to see some behind the scenes kind of comedy stuff, shenanigans. So if you're a fan of comedy, you're going to love adventures in comedy. But when those credits kick in, man, it's good oh, yeah, stuff. I get, I, yeah. <laughs> All right, Rob, man. Good catching up with you, dude. Oh, thanks, Mark. Good to see you. Yeah, great to see you. All right, that was Rob Cantrell. Great story, right, Kleinschmidt? Yeah, Seriously, how good is that story? I know, it was great. Um, now it's a story I, I had him tell at a previous location that I worked, but I had to have him say it again because it's just too good. Although he gave me more details this time, good. so it wasn't uh, it wasn't abbreviated or abridged. <laughs> um, but uh, more comedy news coming up for you on the laughbutton.com. I got to spend some time on the red carpet of Misery Loves Comedy, a great documentary from Kevin Pollack. Uh, Jim, I got to speak with Jim Norton, Lewis Black. So we'll have that uh, coming up on the next episode of this said podcast. Anything else you want to add there, Klein Schmidt? Just. Uh be nice to each other, everybody. All right. And use our social at the laugh button and go to the laughbutton.com. Subscribe to this podcast, review us, rate us, introduce your friends to it. I mean, there, look, there's no other comedy news podcast doing it like we are. If there are even any other comedy news podcast, right? We got it. We got it on fleek. We're on fleek, Mark. Fleek. That's what the kids are saying. Can we get t-shirts, laugh button t-shirts laugh that button say, fleek? we got it on fleek. Yeah. Laugh done. button Let's podcast. Do Let's do it. All right, everyone. Until next time, follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mark Says Hi. He's at I am Klein Schmidt. That'll do it for this edition of the Laugh Button Podcast right here on the Riotcast Network.